the moment has arrived. I'm Tom Dickinson, and after a brief interruption in service, you're listening to another episode of Doctor Who The Moment. I couldn't put an episode out last week because I'm a bad person who doesn't care about his audience. Wait, no, that's not it. I couldn't put an episode out last week because other things were happening, and linear causality made posting an episode impossible. Pro tip, always blame linear causality. Anyway, what do we do here? Right, we talk about a moment from an episode of Doctor Who that my guest has a lot to say about. This week, that guest is Chase Lilly, an old friend of mine from back when we were part of the same loosely affiliated clique of weirdos who made video blogs on YouTube back in the early 2010s, when YouTube was more community-oriented and moderately less of a terrifying nightmare than it is today. Chase's moment comes from the Matt Smith era, namely The Name of the Doctor, the final episode of Series 7, which aired in 2013. In The Name of the Doctor, numerous dangling plot threads from Series 6 and Series 7 come home to roost. The Doctor's new traveling companion, Clara Oswald, finds herself in a psychedelic trans-temporal Google Hangout with some other associates of the Doctor. His friends Vastra, Jenny, and Strax, and his late lamented wife, River Song, to discuss a matter most grave. Danger is looming for the Doctor, and they're all chatting behind his back to decide what must be done about it. But their conversation is cut short when the episode's villain intervenes, and it falls to Clara to inform the Doctor of the one actionable piece of information that they have. That whatever's about to go down is about to go down in a place where River says the Doctor must never go. A planet called Trenzalore. The first time that we see the Doctor in this episode... Am I getting warm? He is blindfolded. No, I'm pretty sure you have to tell me if I'm getting warm. I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that's in the and rules. And he's playing a game of hide-and-go-seek with children that are not... Ha! Clara! There. How are you? Don't worry. Everything is under control. Um, and he has this funny little moment uh, They wanted to go to the cinema, but I said no. I said no, not until you wake Claire up. Claire explains to him... Where are they? ...that the children have tricked him. At the cinema. And he the calls him... The little... The little Daleks. Daleks. <laughs> And it's such a great, like, little joke. I don't know. It's so fun. But then, like, shortly after, she's explaining to him, because she's just had this meeting. River asked Vastra for the exact words. With this what were crazy doctor council of people that know the doctor. has a secret he will take to the grave. That he's going back to Trenzalore. It is discovered. And, and he's having this realization, like, just at the words. And um, the moment specifically that, that I always am drawn to is, is when he's like... And it was Trenzalore. It was definitely Trenzalore. And it was Trenzalore. It was definitely Trenzalore. Yeah. Just because there's so much, like, grief in his voice. Sorry. And it's something that I think is really cool because up to that point, I don't think it's something that Clara has seen. That second half of the seventh season. I don't think that Clara has seen him behave that way. And, and even, like, I think one of the things that Jenna Coleman does so well she looks so surprised. Well? It's not even that she feels sorry for him or that she's, like, empathizing with him. She, she looks genuinely surprised by the, the fact that she's watching the Doctor grieve in this way. Why did you pick this moment out of all of Doctor Who? I think specifically because, in my mind, Matt Smith is still probably the best actor. I know that I'd probably get a lot of grief for that. Capaldi's great. Tenet's great. But I think on, on just a pure level of like acting, I think that Matt Smith is one of the best actors to ever play the Doctor. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And, um, he gets to like sort of flex his muscles as an actor sometimes, but I, I feel like this is just one of his absolute greatest moments. I, I really do feel that sort of shift from him being this like... Angie! He's playing a, a child's game. He's playing hide-and-go-seek with these kids. 
Am I getting warm? And it's like that fun childlike doctor that we're used to. But I don't think that we really, there are very, very few moments where we get to see him express that level of like sadness or, or that level of really deep grief that you know has kind of been weighing on him this whole time. But he hides with this sort of like veneer of, of childhood. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because in the first half of season seven, you have him saying goodbye to Amy and Rory. And you definitely see him quite sad in that episode, but it's a kind of furious panicked sadness, sure. which is pretty different from the sort of quiet devastation of like, he's taking it all in and it's it's too much that you see in this scene. It's a pretty different sort of thing from Matt Smith. Matt Smith's doctor, Eleven, has always been very protected. And that's maybe something that I relate to as well. How can you be okay? Hey, of course I'm okay. I'm always okay. I'm the king of okay. I want everybody to think that I'm in this great mood all the time. I, I want everybody to think that I, I am this, you know, person who never has a bad day. And that's how I feel like Eleven is, you know, like even when he's devastated or even when he's scared or, you know, you see these like white flashes of anger. Even when you see that kind of stuff, it still feels like he's got this guard up all the time. And I feel like for just the briefest moment, it really feels like all of that comes down. And he allows himself to have this very human moment of mourning what he knows is coming. And as short as it lasts, too, I I feel like he puts it right back up. Like, you can see him. He does this thing where he wipes his face and he, like, sniffles and he's like, Sorry. That that's over. Now I have to go back to being the doctor. I have to go back to being, you know, this this sort of image that I've created for myself. You mentioned that this is the first time Clara's seen anything like this. Do you think this changes the way that the two of them interact after this point? Uh, that is a good question. Not really. <laughs> At least not with Matt Smith. Maybe down the line with Capaldi a little bit more, especially since they have that moment Hello? on the phone. It's yes, it's you. Who's this? Maybe something there. That, that sort of changes the relationship. But the episodes that came after were, you know, it was like the 50th anniversary and then uh, the, the Christmas special where he regenerates. So that, I don't know that they had enough time to really like change the relationship or, or turn Like throughout the whole episode, there's this weird thing where she's realizing that River Song was his wife. Yeah. Friend of mine. What, like an ex? Yes, an ex. And they're sort of playing this uh, maybe a little bit of a jealousy game. But I do think that this is like the last episode where that sort of crush on the doctor or, or that, that idea that like she's flirty with the doctor does end. So maybe there is a, a slight shift in dynamics, but I, I don't know that necessarily they had enough time to change the whole relationship between, you know, the 11 and Clara. Do you think it carries forward into her relationship with the 12th doctor? Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. I wish I could think of specific moments with 12. I, I This is so weird, but the chemistry between the 12th Doctor and Clara is so different yeah. than the chemistry between the 11th Doctor and Clara. It's like her seeing the Doctor for who he actually is for the first time because he's no longer this, you know, sort of charming, handsome, in, in his own weird way, <laughs> in his little Matt Smith way. Clara, I'm not your boyfriend. I think in her mind, she thought... I never thought you were that she had this sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, like drinking buddy Mm. instead of somebody that could be like potentially a mentor or somebody that like she needs to take care of even. I feel like that's sort of the the mentality at first is like very on that same level. And I do think the relationship changes. The dynamic definitely changes with Peter Capaldi because while they're still friends, it's like there's more of of a respect there as opposed to, oh, my old buddy, my old pal. It's more like, it just feels like maybe even like a little bit deeper, a little bit less surface with Capaldi than it does with Matt Smith. Yeah, it's interesting because you point out, and I'd never really thought of it like this before, but it's like in the moment you picked, he's kind of dropping the pretense briefly. Mm -hmm. 
And in Deep Breath, when um, Clara's talking to Madame Vastra about the difference between the doctor she knows and this new doctor that's played by Capaldi, Vastra says that, you know... The doctor regenerated in your presence. What you're seeing now is the doctor... The young man disappeared, the veil lifted. Permanently dropping the pretense that he's this... That he's your cutesy little boyfriend, basically. Yeah, that's a great example. That's why you got the show, man. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, do you enjoy seeing Matt Smith cry? Oh yeah, he's a great <laughs> crier. He is so good at it. He's he's got that perfect like he really uglies up his face. But I mean, everything Matt Smith does is so interesting. Just from the from day one, I mean, like you, you saw him as this. I mean, it, I don't want to keep saying childlike, but I don't even have an. They kept putting him with children lucky. for a reason. I know. You know, it's because his chemistry with that is so, it's so on par. Kitchen! That's a cooker, probably. And these are taps. Hot, cold. It's so even. Lemonade. Lemonade? I know. So I think it's interesting in those moments where he's crying because he, it does age him, almost. It's not like a child's cry. It's not like whiny. It's not (laughs) anything like that. It's like, it feels like an older person crying. It really does. Is Matt Smith your favorite doctor? You know what? I'm going to say that I am the one person who just refuses to have that that thing in their life. <laughs> it's too much of a burden. It's too much of a burden. To have a favorite doctor? Yes. Yes. I mean, maybe I have like least favorite doctors, but I don't have I don't have favorite doctors. You're definitely not the first person I've ever heard dodge the question of the favorite doctor, but I think you are the first person I've ever heard say it's too much of a burden to have a favorite doctor. It's the burden of the time, Lord Donna. <laughs> I will say I will say Matt Smith was my first doctor. So th- a lot of times that ends up being the, the, the deciding factor. How did you first become a Doctor Who fan? Oh, boy. It, honestly, it's because I was doing those YouTube videos, which were almost shot for shot recreations of Vlogbrothers <laughs> videos, or as close as that could possibly be. Doing Are those still visible online anywhere? Or? They sure aren't, Tom. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> like, back when YouTube was a social network, essentially, it, I was like a freshman in college. This would have been around 2009. And I remember people talking about Doctor Who, and I think I just like Googled it and tried to watch like some sort of torrented episode, and I got like, six minutes into Rose. Plastic. Very and just was nice like, trick. what is this? Who are they then? Students. Is this a student? Why are so many people students? obsessed with this show? I don't know. Which I what think that said? most people, if you watch six minutes of Rose, and then in 2011, I was like, okay, I've only tried to watch like Christopher Eccleston so far. I know that David Tennant is a doctor that people really like. And so I started watching uh, The Christmas Invasion. Did you miss me? The moment that David Tennant walked out, I was like blown away by that moment. Like him in his pajamas, just having that conversation with, boy, an alien. The Sycorax. There we go. Uh, the Sycorax. Just can't get the star. Now you just wait. I'm busy. The, the moment that, that like that whole conversation happened and him walking back and him dropping the alien out of the sky, it cast such like a weird spell on me immediately. And for some reason, I didn't keep watching David Tennant. Oh. I know. This is wild. But I was like, oh, I also want to see like Hello. the first episode of Matt Smith. I'm the doctor. So I think I watched the 11th hour almost directly afterwards. Basically, run. I mean, for a show about time travel, I feel like it's okay to watch it the way that I did. But I went back and then watched it all the way from season two all the way till the end with my roommate Tyler. Shout out Tyler Long. Shout out Kentucky, the University of Kentucky. Oh, I thought you were just the whole state. <laughs> not always, but we're not. We don't have to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but basically Tyler and I just went back and we watched it all and had like just a really incredible time. We had these roommates that were um, living upstairs at the time and we had like a very weird like – I hate describing it this way, but I want to call it like a friends relationship, like the television show Friends. <laughs> sure. Where we would just walk in and out of each other's apartment all the time. I feel like you've just required me to drop a clip of Friends into the episode, so. Yeah, thank goodness. To go find an appropriate clip. Yeah, find a real fun one. <laughs> and then we had these those friends. They came down and they were like, "What are you watching?" And we were like, "Oh, this is a great excuse to watch the whole thing again." <laughs> I think I probably had a lot of conversations with you at that point. I definitely remember you were texting me about your progress at the time. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty typical journey, probably yeah, for the most part. Yeah, but um, when you caught up to the show, that was when season six was airing, right? Season six was the last one I watched on Netflix, and then I must have bought. The first half of season seven. The Bells of St. John was definitely the first one I ever watched. Like, I'm sorry to intrude. As it was happening. The Bells of St. John are ringing. So this this was kind of your first experience of Doctor Who live. Yeah, weekly. This eight episodes, series 7B or whatever. How did you feel about the storyline that developed over those weeks and the way it wraps up in, in this episode, the kind of impossible girl story? What are you, eh? A trick? A trap? I don't know what you're talking about! Season 7 for me is easily not one of my favorite seasons at all. It's really, like, disjointed, and, and the whole idea of, like, movie of the week was not as cool as Stephen Moffat thought it was going to be <laughs> when he said it and in its, you know, execution just really didn't work that much for me. But I did really love this episode. Even though it starts out, boy does it start out and it's nuts. <laughs> it's just a nuts way to to do the show. Like it's like she does a voiceover. I'm Clara Oswald. I'm the impossible girl. I was born to save the doctor. I'm the impossible girl. I fell through time and space. I came into this world on a leaf. She's really just saying insane statements. <laughs> and then we immediately cut to this dirty criminal man named Clarence. How? In the battle of the world. Yes. There are whispers. Who breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> and then disappears and doesn't have anything to do with anything. No. And then we're introduced to something called Whisper Men, and I'm, I'm not quite sure what they are. They don't have a great explanation of what they are. We have Strax asking to be knocked. Like, they have this moment at the beginning that's like, the only way I know how to describe it is like Anchorman. <laughs> Like they're all in separate locations and then River Song, you know, blows the horn and they all like join each other in this like dream council. Strax, it's good of you to join us. It better be important. I was in the middle of destroying some very pleasant primitives. And then as that's happening, one of them gets murdered. <laughs> it's just I think I've been murdered. But not really. Not really. I mean I guess really, but she gets brought back by Strax. It feels like the episode starts six times <laughs> in the span of the first 15 minutes of the show. And then finally the doctor comes in and it's like it finds some solid ground. Once it starts getting to Transalore, it's like, okay. Visiting your own grave, anyone would be scared. This feels a little bit more grounded in what I'm that. used to. My grave is potentially the most dangerous place as opposed to in the universe several jumps to the most confusing insane that prisoner breaks the fourth wall he looks into the camera do not hear the whisper man whatever else and he you says do. like a dr seuss right <laughs> once you've heard the whisper man they'll stop and look at you it is so wild the one thing that comes out of that that i really really do like is that the doctor has a secret, you know. He has men. This is a classic. He has one he will take to the grave. Classic Moffat thing. I'm saying one thing, but really... And it is discovered. 
I'm saying another thing. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the doctor has a secret he will take to the grave. It is discovered he wasn't talking about my secret. That's one of Moffat's no, 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 cooler turns. He was talking about my that he has. They don't always land grave, but I feel like that one really worked for me. So you enjoy that? I know some people find that a little bit obnoxious. Do you like being tricked? Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> So, like, at the end of season six, they've been telling you this thing the whole time. Where it's like, the doctor definitely dies. Not most certainly is the doctor. He definitely dies. He definitely dies. Yeah. He is most certainly dead. And it's like, that's a lie. That's a lie that the writers are telling you. It's not a great twist because it's just, there's plenty to love in season six. But, like, that premise is a little bit obnoxious to me because it's like, oh, look at this great twist we had. And you think, well, I wish you hadn't have told me that he definitely died over and over and over again because it just feels like a total lie. As opposed to this, which feels like... You didn't listen, did you? You lot never do, that's the problem. Haha, you weren't thinking about it the right way, idiot. (laughs) Which kind of makes me laugh. I don't know, I just think it's kind of funny and kind of fun. I could see where somebody would be annoyed by it, but personally, I just think it's funny that, like, he's like, no, you dumb-dumb, you thought it meant the thing that everybody thought it meant, but actually... Listen to the words with a different rhythm, and it means a different thing. Yeah, he, he kind of pulls that again at the end of the episode, where the ti- the title of the episode is The Name of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, we're going to find out what his real name is. But name. then at the end, it's like... That is not the point. The name I chose is the Doctor. The name you choose, it's like, it's like a promise you make. Ah, but we are talking about the name of... What I did... The Doctor. I did without choice. I know. But this is the like... The name of peace... Insanity. In the name of the doctor. But not in the name of the doctor. He like recontextualizes the sentence and it's like, ah, ah, pretty sneaky, sis. Yeah. And I think at that point, we'd all come to expect that from Moffat. Like nobody is, <laughs> who's surprised that he's doing that? And, and like you can do one of two things. It can get on your nerves every time or you can just kind of give it a little, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, buddy. <laughs> I see. I get it. I wish I'd have written down that little Dr. Seuss moment. There's one weird little (laughs) something, something, something more, something, something to Trenzalore. His friends are lost forevermore unless he goes to Trenzalore. (laughs) No, you can't say that. That's so dumb. It's the goofiest thing to have in your episode. But I couldn't help but be like, this is fun. (laughs) I'm having fun. It's wild and If I saw this in anything else, I'd be like, what is going on? This is so bad. But just because it's Doctor Who, there's something about it that just works for me. Yes. Just like that sort of campiness. I I think I've always liked this episode. Today, I think I just happened to have kind of a bad day for whatever reason. And I was watching it uh, this afternoon and I was real grumpy and I hated it, honestly. I was like, oh, this is is so stupid. But um, (laughs) I'm sure if I watched it on a better day, I would be just as into it as I usually am. I think if you watch the rest of season seven and then get to this one, it feels much better. (laughs) I don't know what that says. With regard to the whole concept of Trenzalore, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the way that storyline is, I don't know if developed, I guess I'd say developed, because it's introduced in the Wedding of River Song, and then it's exp- it's first like mentioned in that episode. On the fields of Trenzalore, at the fall of the 11th, when no living creature can speak falsely or fail to answer, a question will be asked. And then it's kind of revealed here, and then I guess it comes to its fruition. You, this planet... What's it called? In the time of the Doctor. Transalore. So how do you how do you feel about the way that all plays out? I mean, Moffat's all about build up, build up, build up, and you're rarely going to pay something off. <laughs> 
But I think the reveal of finding out that Trenzalore is his grave was very fun. Or at least very like, ooh. <laughs> like when it first happened, you sort of get that. Doctor Who's always at its best for me when it does something that you haven't really thought about. And the idea that the Doctor is buried somewhere. How can you have a grave? Because we all do somewhere out there in the future, waiting for us. The trouble with time travel, you can actually end up visiting. But you're not going to. I think that's a cool idea. I don't think that that's something that you've seen in Doctor Who yet. You know, the execution maybe leaves a little bit to be desired. There is a great moment (laughs) where he's like working on his little... TARDIS and he's down below and he's under the hood like he's mm-hmm. under the da- uh, under the little console he's he goes Trenzalore Trenzalore I've heard the name of course I've heard the name of course <laughs> <laughs> so there's like those little moments where it's like I do wish they maybe had given it something to make it a little bit more creepy or atmospheric or at least just more impactful when you got there but I, I think that at least the idea is cool enough to carry it for me. Like a time traveler's grave is cool enough to me that I'll look past it's part of the execution. Yeah, because every time traveler is already dead and also hasn't been born yet because of time. Yes, that's cool. I have a question for you about the doctor's kind of reaction to Trenzalore. Do you have anything in your life like Trenzalore that you know you're going to have to get to eventually, but you're just putting it off and hoping it's never going to come around and it's just something future you have to deal with? I mean, outside of my own grave. Um, Amy! <laughs> what, do you know the location of oh, your own grave? The gravestone here is all with the same name as me. What? No, but I know it's there. I, spo- I suppose there are people who do. Like, rich people know where they're going to be buried usually. Like, it's in the family tomb or whatever but you, you don't you don't have that no i don't think i even i want to go complete radio silence after i went you know everybody's like oh, i gotta do something to be remembered so something that i'm dreading on the horizon not really i honestly i've got a lot of things i'm looking forward to i think anytime i have to travel i dread it a little bit just because i'm getting more and more attached to just being in my house that's something i feel like is so rare now i just like to be at home with claire sometimes and not have to do a bunch of Aww. stuff i know that's sweet i try to not think about things in the future oh <laughs> that's really probably not a great way to do it but i don't have a lot of dread about things if anything I have a lot of anxiety about things that are happening if it's like right now, but I don't have a lot of like dread about the thing that's going to happen six months from now. I'm pretty good at holding that in. Not even your own uh, inevitable mortality? (laughs) That is one of those things that I do not think about. I actively don't think about that. I think that that's something that I have like made a conscious decision to not worry about a long time ago. And for whatever reason, that has worked for me. I wouldn't expect it to work for everybody, but... That's weird. Sure doesn't work for me. (laughs) Yeah. I think that it sounds nice. Be like sleeping. It'd be, it'd be nice. <laughs> is that an, is that bad? No, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I mean, you just go back to not being existent anymore, just like you were before you were born. But I don't know. I I hate it. Yeah. Well, we we talked about deleting Facebooks and deleting Twitters and disappearing off the Facebook. It just sounds nice. I feel like when I was making videos for a while, it was like really fun to be noticed or, or fun to like feel seen but i think that like the older i get i'm just like i think it'd be nice to just be a hermit that got by but that didn't have to actually live the hermit lifestyle yeah and i mean it's it's kind of interesting because the like, the doctor's grave doesn't house a body of reality it houses what's described that as is the scar tissue of my journey through the universe the scar tissue of his my path bathroom. through the universe sure so it's like the damage he leaves behind so yeah maybe maybe just don't be seen maybe that's the way to be yeah. This is getting weird and morbid. I think that's great. Do you have any uh, other stuff you want to say about this moment? I think that Jenna's reaction 
to Matt in that moment is so good. And while like Matt has this moment to really shine and like he really, and he gives it everything. I think that it doesn't necessarily work if Jenna like is consoling him. It only works if she's like thrown off by this side of him that she's never seen before. I think something throughout this episode with Clara as a character is that the doctor does not discuss his secrets with anyone. She's really coming to understand. If you're still entertaining the idea that you're an exception to this rule, Ask yourself one question. How little she what is his name? actually knows about the Doctor. And then she, over the course of the episode, comes to learn a lot about him. I saw all of you. Eleven faces, all of them are you. You're the Eleventh Doctor. But um, it's a very scary experience for her. Sure. And I think Jenna Coleman, you know, portrays that uh, incredibly well. And I think that's what makes it land so much for me. In an episode that has a ton of flaws, a ton of things wrong with it, <laughs> in a season that's not that good. To have this one really, really impactful moment that lands for me every time. I mean, I've seen it a million times. I watched it the other night and was just like, this is a good moment. I picked a good moment. <laughs> and that concludes the moment for this week. Major thanks to Chase Lilly, who you can follow on Twitter over at Chase Lilly. That's C-H-A-S-L-I-L-L-Y. That's right. There is no E in Chase, just like there's no I in team. And speaking of teams, improv teams are a kind of team, and Chase is in several of those in the great city of Chicago, Illinois, home of the giant reflective bean sculpture. If you're in the city with the bean sculpture and you would like to laugh, Chase can be found at the I.O. Theater performing with the team Mean Streak, or at the CIC Theater with the team Fair Dinkum, or elsewhere with the independent improv group known only by the name of Randy. If you want to know more about Doctor Who The Moment, please do not suffer in ignorance, for there is much to be learned at themomentpod.com. You can follow the show on Twitter or on Instantaneous Gram at themomentpod. And you can give the show money at patreon.com slash themomentpod, and I will thank you for it. I'm Tom Dickinson, and I'll be back in a moment. A fun What's wrong, buddy? Clip Someone at work ate my sandwich. Of the show <laughs> Friends. Well, what did the police say? <laughs>